Welcome, everybody, to the Cane and Rinse Podcast, Volume 12, Issue 555. We were just 111 off from being perfect for the show. Um, we are doing Condemned 2, uh, Bloodshot, as it's known in various territories. Joining me, Brian Edwards, in this issue are Tony Atkins. Hello. Uh, John Salmon. Hello. And Leah Haydu. Do you think they ask you to do this show because of the whole prison thing or because, I mean, that sounds like an HR issue, really, if they're just assuming mm. that you know things about criminals, you should well, I mean, I, this game HR. is this game is very American and we'll get to <laughs> this that. This game is quite. an HR issue. <laughs> we, like I said before, we're com- covering Condemned 2 Bloodshot. So Condemned 2, the sequel to Condemned, is an action survival horror game when players take on the role of Ethan Thomas and use their detective skills to unravel a mystery and take on a mysterious cult. Um, before we get into the nitty-gritty of who made the game and how and when, uh, we're going to go through our own personal histories with the series, and I've decided to make myself go first, not because I think it's the most interesting, only because I me- think it's the most brief. Um, I played Condemned 1 when it first came out on the, uh, P- on the Xbox 360, and then I played Condemned 2 two weeks ago for the first time ever. I didn't play it when it first came out. Um, I had a disc for my Xbox 360 uh, for the game, and it did not work in my 360, so I managed to use a little program called Xenia for my uh, laptop, and I played this game using emulation over the course of a couple weeks. So, um, Tony, I know that um, per our Slack channel that you had played this game before and you were able to revisit it before this recording i did so i played it four days after its release in the uk supposedly oh, wow. uh not that i remember that it's just that i get back on true achievements and that's when i apparently played it so <laughs> yeah um picked it up directly really upon release and i guess that's because i quite liked the original condemned well, actually no i really liked the original condemned um i was probably eager to get into seeing what, how the uh the story stroke gameplay continued mm-hmm. um and i think yeah i I pretty much played it to completion, although bollocks of it, a couple of years later, I went back to it and finished up a few of the achievements, got all the achievements in the game by 2010. So it still took me a couple of years to get there. But um, And then I've replayed it for this show over the last couple of days uh, on the on the 360, no less. Mm-hmm. To, it's Very not nice. backwards compatible. So, well, yeah, no, so it's yeah, not we're... backwards compatible on all the current gen. So, yeah, I had to... Uh, purchase the uh a copy for the grand sum of two pounds uh, but yeah played it back on the 360 on the original hardware i guess yeah so i think i probably played the game three or four times in total and then oh, wow. put probably oof, five to ten hours into the multiplayer to get the achievements i was gonna i was gonna ask you that mm. was my next thing are there multiplayer based achievements so there are yeah there, there are, are. yeah oh, okay all right yeah um, i couldn't i couldn't tell uh, playing through an emulation alas nobody playing it when I tried earlier this afternoon, that's what that's I tried. Hard to believe. Uh, John, did you did you play this uh, like Tony around time of release, or did you come do it afterwards? Yeah, no, I was I was there well and truly um, when it released. Again, like uh, I think both of you said, the original Condemned was one of the earlier 360 games that I got. Even though I didn't yeah. get the console quite at release, but I played through it not that long after it came out and really really liked it. So I was I was quite looking forward to this. And then there was a little bit of like unusual releases with this where I was living in Australia at the time and if you look at the release dates um for some reason it was one that had a bit of a gap between the North American and the other releases 
But then at the same time for the 360, actually for, for both versions, Australia also got it a week before the EU. I don't really know why. But we used to go to a store, um, like a big chain store there, that used to constantly just break um, embargo <laughs> oh, dates. break embargo, yeah. So it was always like you'd go in like four days before and the guy would be like, oh, yeah, someone." We, we got word that someone in one of the other game stores on the other side of town sold it the other day. So, yeah, we just forget about the embargo date. We're just putting them up. <laughs> so I got a bunch of games early from their release dates because of that. But I think that they also might have had copies a bit earlier because it had already... It had been out like two weeks before right. in America. Yeah. And it, it kind of hit this weird spot where like, I guess it wasn't massively popular, but um, there were enough people playing it that I was kind of going through and getting kind of frustrated that I couldn't find, um, like I couldn't find some of the collectible stuff in some of the levels. And because it was mm. such a new game and wasn't even released completely worldwide yet. Oh yeah. There were, yeah, there was like very, or amounts of quality for like people even just general walkthroughs but people trying to explain how you get all the perfect ratings yeah, on all of the 2008 it would have been like bits. game faq walkthroughs isn't it? <laughs> it yeah absolutely it was and i remember the the level that i'm sorry this is a little bit of a tangent from my history history but no, the, le please. the level that um that i remember finding most frustrating for some reason was the doll factory level and i couldn't find a proper guide anywhere on the internet for like how to how to actually get all of the um uh, i think it's all the evidence like the conversation points in the evidence and stuff all done mm. perfectly so i actually just played through the level a bunch of times in the middle of my playthrough of the rest of the game and wrote a, a guide for the like to get the gold <laughs> rating at the end of the level and that that went up in like a game facts post or something and enough people were like oh yeah this is really good that I ended up just saying, uh, you know what, I could probably stretch this out for the entire game. So I have a complete, from the no. release date of the game, guide written to get basically all of the collectibles and all the evidence and stuff, which still exists on various websites, I think, today. <laughs> nice. Well, Leah, if I remember correctly from our discussions ahead of time, you're relatively new to the Condemned franchise, right? But you've, you yes. have played both of them now. Yes. So, so um, yeah, I played when I uh, saw that I was on the schedule to be on the Condemned 2 show. I thought, hey, I haven't played Condemned 1 yet. So I did. And I ended up really liking Condemned 1. I, I thought it was, I mean, it is very much a 360 launch window mm -hmm, game, but I don't mm -hmm, think that's sure. a bad thing. Uh, so I played through that, had a good time, you know, thought it was it was pretty decent. And then I had kind of a journey actually even getting Condemned to getting a functioning copy, I should say, mm, of Condemned yeah. to. So I started out, I had a 360 copy of uh, on disc. Um, my 360 is not currently reading discs. So I messed with that a little bit, tried to clean it out, still wouldn't read the disc. Uh, okay. So it's not backwards compatible on the Xbox One or the Xbox Series consoles. So disc is out for that for that system. So then I tried to get the same emulator that Brian mentioned, Xenia, working on my Steam. Well, first I tried to get it working on my laptop, and my laptop would run it sort of, but it was really slow and clunky and it, not in the way that the game is already a little bit slow and clunky in some places. Um, like it, it just it was not working properly. So I thought, okay, well, it's probably my laptop. It's not super powerful. So let's see if I can get it working on my Steam Deck. 
So I followed a guide to try and get Xenia working on my Steam Deck and did not have any... It was it was just crashing. Like, it just would not function on my Steam Deck. So, I... Uh, and there are no official PC copies of the game. Like, you cannot... There, there was never a PC release. So, mm. my final uh, idea was, okay, so I've tried all of this and it hasn't worked. I'm going to get a PS3 copy and see if my PS3 will read it. And thankfully, that did work. So I now own two disc copies of Condemned to All Bloodshot. Right. One for the PS3 and one for the Xbox 360. And I did not like the game very much. So I think that's going to um, be one of my lower points for of purchasing things for Kane and Rinse. But that's okay. Um, because as somebody pointed out previously, they are not terribly expensive. So, mm-hmm. But I did... Play through, uh, like I said, all of Condemned 1. That was actually the backwards compatible version on the Xbox Series X. And then the Condemned 2 playthrough, which I've done over, uh, I'd say about the past two weeks, because I started it, played the first couple of levels and went, "Eh, I don't really want to do this right now. And then I came back to it a couple of days ago and then just kind of marathoned through the rest of it Mm -hmm. and uh, on the PS3. So that's that's where I am. Yeah, I did not play either of these. I wasn't really playing any any kinds of games like these around the time that they would have come out. I didn't right. super get into like first person. Sh- I, is this a first person shooter? I I guess sort it of. is. Yeah. It's it's yeah, first person kinda. and you shoot or you can. Well, it's shoot. more melee, isn't it? But yeah, and yeah. You, you but would put it in. Yeah, that's FPS. more the focus. If you were to, uh, but, to pick but, a genre, it wouldn't be anything other really than first person shooter, I suppose. Yeah. Or action horror. Action horror, I think, is, is probably a pretty good call. Uh, but I, I wasn't really playing this. This would not have appealed to me in 2008. So I did not get around to it until just recently. Uh, but I did play through all of the levels. I didn't go super deep on the collectibles. Um, I, you know, I if, if something I tried to like, if I could see that something was nearby, I would you know do my best to get there. But I wasn't really pushing it. So mm. I gave it my best, let's say. And um yeah, I've, I've got things to talk about on this one, which we'll uh, we'll get to. <laughs> All right, so uh, let's go into the development of the game a little bit. It was developed by uh, Monolith Productions, uh, who now we would know as the makers of the Shadow of Mordor and Shadow of War games, and it was published by Sega, and the thing that I think is interesting is that this is a game that is published by Sega, uh, but did not come out in Japan, which I find to be uh, pretty interesting. I, I was looking up for... I was trying to do some research to find if there were what other games would fall under that title, and I couldn't easily find any. Um, but um, I, I would imagine that Sega of America had a hand in that. Uh, producers were Dave Hassel and Constantine Hansopoulos, who uh, Constantine Hansopoulos went on to uh, work on Iron Man 2 and Alpha Protocol. Um, the lead designer was Frank Rook, who went on to direct the Avalanche Studios' Mad Max open world game, which would come out later. Um, programmers Brian Leggy and Rick Ellis, artists Matthew Allen and Eric Kohler, writers again Frank Rook, uh, composed by Nathan Grigg, who would go on to do both the Shadow of Mordor and Shadow of War soundtracks. Um, it was made on the Little Tech Jupiter EX engine, which I had never heard about, and then I looked it up, and it was um, a lot of Monolith games that come out of that, along with another developer known as City Productions. Um, the Fear and Fear Two mm-hmm. were released uh, using Little Tech Jupiter, and it uh, extremely has the same look as. Fear. Um, yeah, so does the I've... original Condemned as well. They're like in the same world almost. Mm. Oh, wow. Same yeah. facial animation. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and as we talked about before, it was released for the Xbox 360 and PlayStation 3, and that was it. 
didn't come out for anything else. Um, it was released in North America on the Xbox 360 on March 11th, um, the PlayStation 3 a week later on the 18th. As John mentioned before, it released in Australia two weeks later, March 27th for the 360 and PS3, and then in the EU a week later than that um, on April 4th, 2008. So, as John said before, just about 15 years on from the release of this game at the time of recording. Um, it reviewed pretty well. Um, there's no open critic data for this, uh, as it is a little bit of an older title that hasn't been re-released, but on Metacritic, it was currently sitting in 82 uh, with 37 reviews, and with user reviews uh, at an 8 out of 10 with 110 reviewers. On IMDb, so uh, 7.6 <laughs> out of 10 with 691 reviews. And as Leah said, no Steam reviews because it never officially got a PC release. Um, but uh, but yeah, we're going to get uh, heavy into the story of this game, so spoiler warning moving ahead. The last thing to talk about before we really get into it is the sales uh, of the game, which were very difficult for me to find. I think part of the reason is that um, it that hasn't had any digital sales, as far as I can tell. I'm I'm not sure. Um, uh, those sales tend to be more easily tracked and recorded by by third party sites. Uh, so the only data is from VG Charts was that 390 thousand copies were sold, and as I previously said, released in the uh, EU, Australia, and the US, North America, but not released in Japan. Um, scenario of Condemned, uh, it starts 11 months after the events of Condemned Criminal Origins. Um, Ethan Thomas resigned from the FBI and has become a violence-prone alcoholic plagued by hallucinations. Uh, meanwhile, the phenoma- phenomenon causing violence and psychosis amongst Metro's vagrant population has gotten worse. The game opens and Malcolm Van Horn is missing, and Lieutenant Rosa convinces a reluctant Ethan Thomas to help find him. And uh, narrowing down his location to a derelict hotel... The Serial Crimes Unit Director Ike Farrell dispatches the retired Agent Thomas, uh, Commander John Dorlin, and Sergeant Pierce LaRue to investigate. So it kind of opens up when you are, uh, you know, looking down or trying to track down Malcolm Van Horn, who has gone missing. So um, as people who have played the original, um, did you find this to be kind of a tonal shift of protagonists from, and I'm not just talking visual style, we'll talk about the characters in a little bit, um, but was this what you were expecting picking up a Condemned 2? So Condemned 1, to me, played a little bit more like, I don't I don't know how to, almost like an, an X-Files episode. Like, okay. there's a lot of stuff going on here that is screwed up and that is unexplainable and you know but but there's an explanation for most of it you know so uh, maybe not exactly like an x-files episode but it, it was it was more procedural i think is is what okay. i'm going for there but with some kinds of of spookiness happening sure condemned to is just kind of all over the place. It it has an attitude. Like it has that early 2000s and uh, yeah, yes I know this came out in the late 2000s. It has that early <laughs> 2000s attitude about it. Mm-hmm. You know, it it's he's a, he's a disgraced cop who's trying to make good and they and, and just they threw in it, <sighs> I just, I, I'm gonna do a lot of sighing. <laughs> yeah, the sigh says a lot. I know it. it <laughs> well, it just it doesn't. Condemned one plays it very straight, and condemned two is trying to have an edge to it, but it's got so many edges on it that it kind of fell over that because it couldn't balance on all those edges. So okay. 
I, I think I think that's where I land on it. Like, it's just a little too, it's trying a little too hard to be that kind of game. And and it, it just didn't yeah. land for me. It's, it's not subtle, is it? Like, no. Um, it tries very, very, very hard to be kind of edgy and over the top and sort of gruesome in a way that kind of takes away from any creepiness that it had to it. Like, it's more just, like, instead of the, like, the, I mean, there is still, like, the noises and the, the sort of the shouts of the people and stuff as they're hiding behind pillars waiting to pounce out at you in the mm. dark. But it's, it's a little bit more like, hey, instead of one guy in the shadows and you can hear, like, buckets being knocked over as he runs around and giggles, now it's just like, we're going to throw five guys at you who all look really supremely messed up in their own stupid ways. They're wearing clown masks. Isn't oh, yeah. that crazy? <laughs> Oh yeah, and they, the uh... the female clown doll thing with the lollipop like saw oh head. God, it's all just God. like it's really gratuitous and like that. Do I oh, do I want to talk about this? Like I'm going to get in trouble. Um, it's it has like the worst of that kind of new metal kind of attitude to everything. No, I've I've had had my notes written down. I wrote new metal. That's what I wrote. Yeah. <laughs> but people um... really really like that. I've always found yeah, it kind sure. of a little bit cringeworthy and um a little bit sort of gratuitous uh, despite being kind of halfway towards that kind of lifestyle myself for the mm-hmm. entirety of my life sure but it's there's something that's now a little bit embarrassing when you you start this up and i put the subtitles on which are pretty funny because they also have the diegetic uh-huh. sound so it starts <laughs> off with just like brackets it's just alt rock playing and I, like, sent, oh. I sent yeah. that very screenshot <laughs> to Rich and Brian. Yes, she did. Yes, she did. Oh, <laughs> that I had to take with my phone nice since it was on a this. PS3 and I couldn't just take a screenshot. Um, yeah, for me, I, I think there is absolutely a tonal shift. And I and I think some of that comes from, I think the game's only, I think, two, just over two and a half years after the original game. So it's got a pretty, yeah, was, pretty yeah. short development cycle. Like, so... Clearly, they just kind of moved in from one to that. I think Condemned was a bigger hit than they expected it to be. Helps probably coming out, you know, when the the new systems were launched at the time. And I think, you know, they they obviously wanted to continue the story. It has two ways to it, though. I think the original Condemned was essentially a police drama with, you know, things happening to Ethan in the background. But Mm -hmm. he was still like a a half-decent-hearted guy at the centre of that. Like, his story was interesting in him just trying to to work out what the hell's happening in this world around him. The problem with 2, it it starts off with him... Obviously, I get they're trying to be more edgy and and more kind of like, well, you know, he's now just down on his luck. And But he's so angry and pissed off that he comes across as a character that you instantly dislike. So he goes from being somebody yeah. like you're yep. you're interested in in who he is, what is his backstory, what's his weird superpower that he doesn't know anything about but clearly he's linked to suddenly just being a narcissist. <laughs> just really yeah. really unlikable. And in fact, the early part of the game, they they really lean like he takes a lot of enjoyment from bashing in people's skulls. You always felt like there was he was backs against the wall in the first game. Like, oh God, you know, these people are so angry and I'm somehow, you know, I'm just a, a normal cop and somehow I've got to get through this. In this, he's just like taking people's heads, smashing them against TVs and going, yeah, if I could do it five more times, I probably would. And it, it just, it puts you in a kind of weird, awkward 
step first like okay well what happened to Ethan here like why is he so and you expect by the time you get to the back end of the game that he would have lost some of that attitude and that's actually that kind of does happen but then it almost makes him even more unlikable because you start to see because he beats the crap physically yeah. out of his mental demon it's oh yeah we'll talk about yeah, yeah so we'll it's uh-huh. so we'll it was certainly sure. it it was certainly jarring to go from one yeah. version of Ethan to a completely different makeup of Ethan and also police drama stroke illuminati oh what's happening like it yeah it goes off the deep end quite quite considerably <laughs> hmm. yeah that's that was kind of one of the reasons i wanted to talk about that because i felt that way but i, totally, I didn't yeah. it's i've very had different i've had almost 20 years in between playing the first condemned and this one so i I, w- I wasn't sure if that was my memory playing tricks on me or not but no. um but yeah that's the way it feels but uh, you mentioned the the bashing of skulls, as it were. So uh, it makes sense to kind of talk about the the, the combat here and the, and the gameplay overall. Um, as we mentioned before, it's a it's a real melee focused combat. Um, it, it's funnily enough, it, it the system reminds me most of uh, a 2022 release uh, Callisto Protocol um, with the melee focused combat and, and kind of the uh, right and left triggers uh, representing your right and left arms and, and kind of moving back and forth in a parry system. Um, and and a focus almost in a dying lightish Dead Island type of way of, of your, your weapons are not uh, things that you keep equipped. It's not like unlocking a new gun in a Doom game and that's now your gun in that one in the one slot. It's you're picking up planks, you're picking up pipe conduits, you're picking up, you know, uh, in some cases billiard balls or bowling pins and you're just kind of beating everything around you with whatever you can pick up um did you guys uh both the um the melee focused combat and the weapons uh was this were you were you engaged with this kind of system of just picking up what was around you and like using the environment to your advantage as you move through or did you find the lack of consistency to be frustrating Eh, i i i think that it was okay uh i didn't I don't think there was not quite enough variety for it to be a selling point, but it was also hmm. not consistent enough for me to be like, this is the weapon that I use all the time. And I, I want to be on the lookout for that, which was kind of what I ended up doing in the in the first Condemned. I I discovered a particular type of pipe that I liked. So I would you know just kind of keep an eye out for that kind of pipe so that and I, I don't think. I don't think there was durability in the first one, was there? I that I'm I can't remember, but um but there definitely is in this because your weapons will break after a little while. So mm. even if you're not switching things out, you're kind of forced to, which I whatever. They're plentiful enough that, that that's not really a I, huge issue. I think I remember in the first one it being very purposeful about like pit, pulling things off walls and you know, mm-hmm. really having an effect like almost the environment around you, like causing sparks and stuff. Here it, it felt very much like, yeah, you need something you can't really go in there bare fist, although you can kind of get like a, a nail stuck to your hand at some point. <laughs> but um, yeah, it, it didn't feel quite as purposeful. Like you needed a weapon for sure. And it was fine to pick it from the environment. But it, yeah, it just felt like, okay, this is, there's plentiful weapons everywhere. It's not like I'm going to go without it for, for, you know, much between points of losing something, you know, or, or throwing yeah. it at <laughs> individual things. But they weren't like the melee system still works actually perfectly fine like it from a mechanical point of point of view it's still really robust i could pull off a left right hit um the timing because it's still relatively slow and clunky in in its own kind of yeah and and that's not necessarily a bad thing because it it feels Mm -hmm. like 
it gives you plenty of a timing window to know when to to parry um it seems sometimes that people are quite I was about to say bullet sponge, but that would be wrong. But uh, melee sponges, fist um, yeah. sponges, um, that doesn't always correspond and make sense. And some of the more kind of special, where you you can press the left trigger and the right trigger and the two triggers together and snap someone's neck. Oh, you didn't do it. Mm-hmm. Now you just need to hit them again. And let's do the left trigger and the right trigger. And it's like that's kind <laughs> yeah. of like it threw me out at the moment. It has more of those kind of special moves, mm-hmm. but um. Yeah, I, th- I think actually the combat itself is robust and still remains 15 years down the line pretty robust. And there's not, I mean, there's, there is other melee combat games out there, but you know, there's not like we've had a flood of them ever since Condemned 1 came out. Um, I think uh, I th- having that, that parry system, like that, I, I became almost reliant on that. I would almost never take the first attack on an enemy. I'd wait for the wind up and then parry and then kind of hit that parry combo mm-hmm. that you already kind of referenced. Mm-hmm. And the combo windows were pretty wide. Um, I had some timing issues uh, with just getting a couple things right. And um, and it sure throws a lot at you right in that first level. I mean, that first level is just tutorial after tutorial, which, which is good. And then it kind of lets you kind of roam free to, you know, kind of develop i don't want to say your combat style you're always doing the melee combat uh, for the most part but it does allow you to kind of to, to pick and choose what your plan of attack is um the i i particularly like the pipe conduits i would like those <laughs> that that i mean it's not it's not you know the the already trademarked leah's pipe that we got from condemned <laughs> one um but but i did i did find that to be um it was fairly durable you could use it for a while i like um it, so i in the, in the museum when you get the chance to use the broadsword Yes, yeah, yeah, just exactly. Yeah. Smash the window yeah. open, broadsword. Yeah, no, I'm going with and that. Multiple broadswords. Yeah, everywhere. And then, yeah. then bowling around everywhere. <laughs> yeah, so I think compared to the first game, which you know obviously is a sequel, the the sort of the upgrades in it are, are one of the big selling points. I think that the combat does have quite a lot of things that I didn't really hadn't really clocked that they weren't part of the first game until. I started playing this, so you get the hand-to-hand combat instead of actually, you know, having to have a weapon is something that you can own is introduced here. There's no punching in the first game. Uh, all of the little yeah. quick time events and the combos and the finishing moves and stuff—that's all completely new. So, I mean, I kind of, I kind of like that, but I think what I really did prefer was just having a big heavy stick and just whacking somebody with it multiple times. <laughs> right. Like right. I, I enjoyed that more than trying to do the timing windows and the, like the actual grabbing somebody when they're down. And as such, I think every time that there was an optional objective to not kill the people like the museum guards or the, the people at the beginning. Oh, I failed a hundred percent. Oh yeah. 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 Like, I tried. That's, that's another thing. It's like, you know, they will tell me and I'm like, I, you know, I, 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 Hard, I'm not going to you... intentionally fail it. Like I'm going to give it a shot, but I'm I'm also not not tied enough to this game that I'm going to, to be go fair, back and try that again. guard run in front of the pipe when I was trying to hit the other guy, and then I hit exactly. him. He died. Yeah. And I was like, well, okay, well the rest These of your fellow in armor and they have swords. Like I'm not going to just go after them with my fists. But it's also like quite um, immersion breaking. That whole kind of like, oh, yeah. now you've got this new quick time thing and you've always got that wonderful animation where they go down on their knees and they almost do like a 360 spin round to get round back to the place where it's you know, <laughs> yeah. like if they're facing the wrong way they almost do like this ridiculous kind of tony hawks spin round ready and then they <laughs> arms up like you'll break my neck and i didn't just punch them because i'm like i don't want to uh, why go through that animation you're gonna die it's regardless like, I'm just please kick sir, you. i offer you my neck please yeah. put it on a shelf and <laughs> stamp on it 
I don't remember having those those complaints though back in 2008. I think I quite enjoyed putting someone's head into a TV because it seemed more right. kind of like, oh, that's more original and that's, you know, that's a benefit, but it just feels really I don't know. It's gratuitous as yeah, hell. Now. <laughs> but the 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 uh, quick time events is the one thing that I I thought for sure when I was playing this I'm like in 2008, like I would have been super yeah. into that. We hadn't seen it over and over and over again quite yet. I mean, we were kind of getting to that era, you know, you're you're, you know, probably what 5 years past God of War 2, like the you know, you're getting it's getting a little long and through Just but it's like Resident Evil 4. Oh my I, gosh. Guarantee you that I would have loved hitting the right button combination to watch, you know, me put the the dollhouse lady's head in the doll press, I guess, Ooh. whatever that's oh, called. Oh yeah. You know? Yeah, <laughs> that's but, uh, that's kind of grim yeah. as well. Yeah. Or kind of grim. Um, that's, I laughed at it this time. <laughs> <laughs> I was so upset at her by that point that I was like, no, yes, you you get your head crushed. <laughs> oh, and the little exploding baby dolls that wave at you, like, yeah, what is not new metal about this? Yeah. <laughs> I, I just the, kicked the, every one of those things that I saw right the in the face. The haunted baby just, doll thing. See, that, that, that was, that's kind of what I mean by the, to- well, part of the tonal shift is like, there was supernatural-ish stuff in the first Condemned, but you never got possessed baby dolls. At least not that I remember, See, unless I'm really forgetting I, something. I didn't have issue with the baby doll. I thought, you know, that, that level was a hell of a lot more scary back in 2008 than it is now. In fact, I kind of mm. laughed my way through that now because I was just picking <laughs> yeah, up baby yeah. dolls and kicking them. It was just, you know, it made me smile and chuckle. And I remember being absolutely freaked by that level. So it just shows sure. you what happens years down the line but what i will yeah, say the ones years that, of desensitization yeah oh yeah great <laughs> um i there's there's times when ethan has these supernaturally type flashbacks i guess to do with you know the psyche that's happening in his head and you have to face off against like oil soak stroke blood monster type people possessed they yeah. don't ever really explain but the first game because it it kept that stuff you know that stuff out of it and kept it more to just facing what was kind of the the ever present kind of i can know more more humanity of killing people around you whenever the game went into those areas i just it instead of freaking me out it, it just lost me it just felt like oh, what are we doing why are we here oh it was just me having a, a dream and every time it's just me having the dream i was like okay cool it's just like tonally, they they really didn't work for me going through back in you know, a 2023 playthrough, I have to say. Yeah. Uh, the one thing I, I will say positively about the combat, the thing that I liked and probably achieved the most scary parts for me were how close up the enemies get to you. Mm. Like when like being a first person horror game, I, mean, I think we've gotten a little bit more used to this after Resident Evil 7 and 8 now, but um it was a lot of these survivor horror games almost exclusively were all third person and um and and having that first person a first person melee game like those enemies when they're coming around the corner and they're you know hopping out from like you ex- already uh, explained the kind of the the oil covered whatever you want to call them that fall out of the sacks that hang from the top of the ceiling um like they get up in your grill pretty quickly and i and that some of those moments were the ones where it was like it like really like set me back and i i felt overwhelmed i felt vulnerable i didn't feel like this you know pipe wielding superhuman killing machine just cuz they jumped yeah. and latched onto you <laughs> like, yeah. they, yeah. they they didn't they, were, the rules. they did have some pretty annoying um patterns because like i i felt like well so this is this is um kind of related to i i think for me at least it's it's related to how 
the the visual style of the game, which is just confusing at mm-hmm. times because mm-hmm. these uh, everything everything is very dark right like it's it's super dark everything is oily everything is kind of shiny because it's a 360 slash ps3 game so it's got that shine um it, it when those things started popping up and sometimes i could not see them in my peripheral vision especially if they had one of the many many sections where there's some kind of filter over the vision like either you're mm-hmm. wearing a mask or you're hallucinating or something is happening that is oh my god that entire last section where every time something would scream the entire all of your vision would blur out and you couldn't really see enough to see around you and you couldn't move and your head <sighs> there were too many visual filters for my taste is mm-hmm. what i will say there yeah. and that sometimes extended to hurting me being able to find effectively the enemies before I was just getting my face punched in. <laughs> right. And we are getting into talking about the visuals and everything like that. And this is one of the things that I actually really liked about the game um, was when it felt like this game took a lot of the t- detective things away from the first game. But when you were actually being a detective and like looking at, let's say, a mutilated corpse or, or, or a crime scene area um, where you would go into your UV scanner or to, to whatever device you have on your, on your person to help you solve this little puzzle. Um, it, the game just full on lets you get it wrong. Um, which is something that a lot of these games don't do. Like even like, even like games past this, like your, your Arkham asylums and stuff where detective vision becomes the big thing. Like you can't move forward until you get all that stuff. Right. And this game allows you to be a bad detective, which I really <laughs> well, enjoyed. Sometimes um, there are some um, because I screwed up one in particular. Okay. That um, so uh, I actually I I agree. First of all, I really I actually liked. I think these were probably my favorite parts were when mm, yeah, you are kind of doing the investigation stuff, mm-hmm. and I, I liked it in the first one as well. The first one is a little more guided i think like it will automatically select the correct tool for you at the proper time and it it points you in that direction here as well but you can also just kind of select your uv light at whatever time to look through stuff um i don't know why somebody would write their combination in uv ink on their wall but you know these things happen uh i guess but yeah i mean it's it's a little not exactly open-ended but it's not quite as uh selected for you in two as it was in one but but uh i i did like that you know you 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 can um answer some questions about things and you know there's some things where like it's not necessarily a direct answer as or not a direct question that like this is absolutely the correct thing for you to ask at this point you kind of have to look at the um, the choices that are given to you and say, okay, well, maybe this is what I want to know about, or maybe this is what I want to know about. And I was always very upset if I got, if I, if I asked what I thought was a good question, and then I only got a good instead of a perfect. Like, I was they're like, no, upset. actually. <laughs> yeah, no, I am perfect. I think you need to check your notes. Um, but yeah, the, the one that I screwed up, uh, and I only did it once, but um, it was the door, it was the library door um, where you, you uh, have to describe this is after the section in this is after the bear when you have to go through and get rid of all the detonators and then you come back to the door and you have to describe the um 
the the bomb itself or the the locking device to Rosa. And I do <laughs> want to talk about Rosa, which I'm sure we will do here in a little yep. while. But yes, um, we will. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but you have to describe the bomb to Rosa, and I I don't I want to say that 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 it was like I had to. Um, it was my choices were like it's a white wire or it's a bear wire, mm-hmm. and I think I pi- I picked the wrong one of those because it looked and- like oh, a the thick same thing, wire. Yeah. It looked yeah. like a thick yeah. wire. How is that a bear wire? Yes. It's twice as thick yeah, as every exactly. other wire. Why would it not be a <laughs> thick yeah. wire? Yeah, and the one that yeah. is is supposed to be a red wire is not bloody red. It's straight. <laughs> Yeah. Yes, yeah, <laughs> so there are the occasional ones where if you screw it up, you will have to do it again. But for the most part, yes, you can just be a bad detective. Do you know, I, really I actually put the same answer in twice more because I'm like, well, not clearly that's a thick wire. That- yeah, I thought I maybe screwed it up the <laughs> like, first time. Like, what? did I accidentally select something wrong? No, I'll put it through again. And like, then, no. no, I was still wrong. <laughs> uh, that's funny. Um, but yeah, I, I agree with you, Leah. I do think that, that those... Um, uh, segments did kind of uh were some of the highlights of the levels for me because it, it felt like but, i was kind but then of doing again something i would i would argue in the first game the detective stuff made sense you are still being a detective i don't get the sense that ethan is one bit caring about being a t- detective in this game he just maybe that's a reason to role play being a bad detective he's, <laughs> he's just, just not like, into it <laughs> it's like rosa wants to know this stuff Ethan couldn't care too less. He's just like, well, tell me in the next di- direction I need to be. And she's almost well, he like... he cares about Rosa Yeah, but he's like, you, you need to detective this stuff. And he's like, oh, Jesus, really? And I mean, it works <laughs> fine, but there's nothing here that is like, oh, that's beyond like, oh, here's a UV light, follow the cables. Here's a look on the door, right. find a number. There was, there was quite a one in the room where it was like the, the door was missing its like number and you had to then piece it together from... Well, here's one yeah. number from the phone. Here's one number from the adjoining door. Here's one, and I was like, oh, "That's that's quite clever." But most of it was mm-hmm. just a, you know, almost like a tick box exercise that actually didn't really work with the character I found that I was actually playing anymore. And I had this. There right. is, oh yeah, that's true. Yeah. There is one hilarious moment. Um, and I so wish I'd written down the actual line, but it it was you come into oh, I think it's the museum, and you come across the guy's leg straight away. And mm-hmm. I think it's an arm. An arm, yeah. and she go and you're like, oh yeah, there's an arm there. And Rose is like, oh my god, is that an arm? Like, but <laughs> equally, like two two scenes before, she's got the entirety of a, a strung up body that's been completely mutilated on a desk, and she's like, and if you look, there's a piece of metal to, pieces in here. I'm like, how is she freaked out by a single arm <laughs> when she's like yeah. clearly like pathology is her thing? <laughs> There's so one, odd. There's one part of that, like yeah. that that change in tone with Rosa. Again, we'll get to her <laughs> where they the the mayor has been decapitated, and then you later find her head as it comes through a ball return in the bowling alley, <laughs> and the ball comes up, and you take a picture of it, and Rosa instead of being like, "Oh my God, they're using the head for a bowling ball," she's like, "Well, I've seen that face on TV a million times," <laughs> and like that was like it. It was like, "Oh man!" Like I just yep. didn't like. Uh, that there that there are some wild shifts in dialogue tone there mm-hmm. that I um that it, and this is gonna sound like I'm like I'm being facetious but I, I'm not like those quote unquote bad moments kind of became my like the my reason for playing yeah. like you know I was really started to enjoy the kind of um like that the story part of like how you know so bad it's good I I don't think that's fair really to say about anything because like people tried hard you know what I mean that's a carefully crafted story by a big team and all these things but but there were moments in the end where i was i was laughing out loud at the ridiculousness of it but at least i was laughing if that makes sense um 
to kind of uh, expand on um, on on the detective vision or the detective segments a little bit, um, it 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 kind of while I did like those segments a lot, like I mentioned, I do feel like they represent a little bit of a pacing problem with this game because mm. there's a lot of segments where you are going and going and going just kind of full tilt like that like the bear segment the bear chase is, is one of those a and then you just kind of come to a full stop and you'll do something like okay now we're going to follow all of these uv lights okay now we're going to i don't know walk around this boat trying to look for the oh, or we're gonna look for a fuse we're gonna leave this elevator and let me tell you it took me forever to actually just look up and figure out that i had to leave the elevator by the top <laughs> um yeah yeah i i feel like they had a lot of ideas and they really wanted to show you these ideas and sometimes those ideas were to the detriment of what would actually make sense and this mm. is this is something else that i was thinking of when tony was mentioning i think it was tony was mentioning the um like the doors where like there was a number missing mm -hmm. you had to you know th those kinds of little puzzles and, and yeah that's really clever but it's not as clever when the puzzle is that and this this specific one really got me but it's emblematic of kind of a larger thing for this game it's on the um, the the locking device on that library door, and mm -hmm. the puzzle is that it's it's backwards, like the the um, the model number is backwards. But instead of closing that metal door to look at the front, you're just supposed to look at it and deduce. Okay, well this is backwards. Can I read it backwards? I, I just and the same thing for like you can't. There's no button to duck. Like it, <laughs> you can only duck or jump up on things when it wants yeah, you an to. Action button. Like, and, and you cannot walk through. You can't step over things. Like there's if there's a you know the slightest little thing. Like I almost got stuck in a door one time because it, it was in the doll factory somewhere. Because like I I knocked a a doll box somewhere and I got stuck on it and I couldn't duck to get in through the door and I couldn't get the doll box out of the way so that I could you move know the what? other direction. I had the so exact I was just kinda, same issue because well I live here now. Uh, so because you can blow the doll yeah. up and you have the ragdoll hey ragdoll yeah. <laughs> technique on the yeah. boxes um yeah i ended up inadvertently blocking a doorway that i hadn't even read because i then couldn't pass yeah. through this hole and i was like well right i literally can't go anywhere and would yeah. i walk around for like i re reset my save and then realized oh i had that a couple of times of even um some of the some of the directional <laughs> clues like they do the they do the old certainly from a 2008 perspective they do the old classic there's a light above a door Mm, maybe right. head towards yep. the light above a door but there's been other times where i found myself wandering around multiple parts of levels going i don't i i'm i've definitely been here and like walk back and then go back again and do, mm, yeah. yeah nope definitely been here that, and it's just I randomly kind of take a right turn somewhere and suddenly get attacked by somebody and go well i haven't been here because there's enemies in here so right. i'd look at my map and because you do have a gps and it'd just be the areas that are completely blacked out on your gps is like well mm -hmm. but there is no real indication that there's a door like you can even mark stuff on your map if you want but i was like do it really do i need to yeah i had a particularly bad case of that when uh from the moving from the bowling alley to the school in that level where you're, yes. you're finding the mayor's head and then and then you're finding uh director farrell and uh there was an area you go over to the school and i just couldn't go anywhere like there was a locked like metal door and i'm looking all around and and much like leah's answer the answer was to look up because 
every I, one I of these ceilings <laughs> has had multiple holes in them, so I didn't really think much of it. But there was one particular hole that if I went underneath it, a prompt came up that said press A to climb or whatever. So, um, But yeah, it took me probably 15 minutes just walking around, and I ended up looking up a video guide. And the guy just walks into that room, walks in the one corner, and presses A. I'm like, God, you know, like, <laughs> like I just there was nothing Long that could have at least yeah. for my famously yeah. the bowling alley that is connected to the school that is connected to the doll factory. Yeah, i i don't I don't think we're missing much from the gameplay here. The only thing we haven't talked about really is is just uh, that this game does have sections where you are. Well, I mean, I, I'm not sure if you can do all the sections melee, but there are certain sections where you are encouraged to use guns thinking specifically of that snow villa level where it basically turns into a, a rainbow six um, oh, uh, type of level where much. you just, you're, you're given from, you go from ripping pipes off the wall to just having an endless amount of assault rifle yeah, ammo. And, um, not, not, and you shoot so many cops. Not, not, so many. No, not to have so a go many, because yes. John absolutely adores fear, but there was times in here I was like, wow, this really looks like fear. Now, it's nowhere near as good as fear. <laughs> it doesn't play like fear, but there was times yeah. when they, they were ducking and diving and thinking, I was like, you can definitely see this is like there is a, an, an engine here that was used for, for that game, just not as polished. But yeah, the back half of the game just, it just almost abandons melee, doesn't it? It's just like, where's your weapon? Yeah. He even gives you a holster so you can start, you know, collecting multiple weapons and it starts to really encourage that you use both those weapons and even if it be um like the bow bone not bow and arrow what's the um oh yeah there's a crossbow in the museum yeah yeah crossbow it it starts getting very much like yeah use these crossbows use this use weapons it's almost abandons the melee by the end because it just throws huge amounts of people at you and uh, you, the reason you have to use a crossbow is because you're in a museum and all of the enemies have decided to adorn the historical armaments that are in the museum. So you're literally fighting knights in armor mm-hmm. at yeah. that point. Um, very I don't know if the uh, the ammo for that crossbow in the museum was actually unlimited or if I just found a bunch of it because I, I never ran out and I shot everything with that <laughs> crossbow. Yeah. Um, so I think this this is probably a good time to talk about this before we get into the visuals more about the visuals and the audio and things um uh one of the mechanics in the game that i found fairly problematic um and kind of the resolution to this mechanic um was the relationship that ethan has with alcohol um when you have those guns that we're talking about or the crossbow uh ethan's aim is pretty bad which i think is fairly realistic for most people who just are running through a place and picking up a crossbow probably aren't going to be you know dead shots with it but a way that you can uh, make your aim better is to drink alcohol. And then Ethan, so, and and one of the, I, I would say, it major kind of subplots of the story is Ethan literally wrestling with his demons mm-hmm. in some cases. Um, he has these flashbacks where it's kind of like an Ethan wearing a mask, talking to him, kind of being his, like, physical representation of, of his his demons. But particularly problematic to me, and I, maybe it was just me, um, in the magician level before you kind of go into the magic theater uh ethan has an actual physical battle with his inner demon where you beat now tell me if i'm misinterpreting this at all um you you get in a fight with your inner demon you beat up your inner demon and that's how you cure your alcoholism is that is that that fair to say how it's (laughs) worked for you exactly yep um and like so, so I think of this in two ways, right? Because this is a game from 2008. It's got a a fantastical story in a lot of ways, and and a lot of things. I'm I'm giving a lot of leeway here, but like, but as 
you know, we, there are a lot of people out there who struggle with addiction and, and other issues, uh, mental health related issues, um, that this does seem to me to be kind of like a, because after this, like, uh, Ethan makes several comments, including in the ending where he's like, where LaRue says, Hey, we'll go to get a drink. And Ethan's like, how about a, like, you know, what do you say? He's like, how about like a slice of pizza? Like, like he, like he seems to have completely cured his alcoholism by beating up his inner demon. Um, did anybody else find this like super out of place or am, am I being a little too sensitive to it there or, um, no, it, I, I had, um, I had a pretty similar reaction to that. I mean, you, you literally start your chapter with a prompt that says defeat the alcohol demon. So, I mean, they're not even pretending like this is just some kind of hallucination that, you know, it's, it's, it's related, but it's not actually going to fix anything in the end. And no, it's, he just, it just kind of fixes it. Um, That's, we're done now. We're good. And yeah, I, it's, it's really difficult to not take that hard given some of the more recent representations of mental health and, and talking about that and dealing with it that we have had in in games and in other media like looking at something like this and yeah it is it is partially a time and place thing so i i don't it's not something for me that i'm like oh i'm so offended by this that i'm never going to play this kind of game again and i I need to you know protest or whatever that for me that is not that's not where i landed but i did think that it was kind of in bad taste and definitely not realistic so uh, yeah it's very tone deaf yeah that's that's one of those things i wonder like how they're going to handle to like with the um, uh, I'm thinking about particularly about Remedy's remake of Max Payne, mm. where your literal you, the little way you restore health in those games is by taking painkillers. Like, yeah, but that's kind of making a almost like a social commentary that game. Like it's right. it's well, yeah. a hell of yep. a lot more true. front and center. It's it's dealing with that stuff, and you know, in fact, that's I would true. argue yep. he in Max Payne he doesn't ever really ever get over that stuff. I I right. for me like it. it it was there. I saw it. I was like, huh. And I think it was more the fact that the story is all over the place. Like, it, it's just another element of the story where I'm like, God, this just doesn't really know. Like, I felt like the first game, it it knew what it was trying to get across. And this game, it feels like it's it's multiple elements pushing left, right and center. And none of them really just clicking. And for sure, I read that and I was like, eh. Just like that could have been so much better, but I guess it is what it is, and I don't know whether it is just a 2008 thing. Um, yeah, that's what I was trying to make development sense cycle. Of that in my head too. Yeah, um, mm-hmm. you know, it yeah. wasn't. I don't think it was particularly on their their agenda to to bring that into the story, but clearly, you know, it's an element in the story that, like you say, that ultimately, yeah, it, it clearly he goes from the first game kind of drowning his demons, and that that's an element of the story they absolutely could have really kind of gone deep and and with but it i think they get so caught up with the i want to say the illuminati because everyone understands what that means like this kind of bigger picture of like oh you know we're being controlled and you know this is you know your part the the bigger you know the pawn piece in in all of this and you know they want to use you and it like they just it none of that particularly lands well and so it doesn't surprise me that you know the 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 even a small attempt at some sort of social commentary on alcoholism is just badly handled yeah and it's like even the um the the gameplay interaction with the alcohol where you you have terrible 
shaky hands aiming and then take a an entire bottle of Jägermeister to kind of settle you down. Like I, I can see the um like the intention behind that and I can see that there may be like a little bit of sort of a, a truth to that of the idea of yeah I mean you know you're sort of suffering withdrawal or whatever um have a little nip to kind of bring you back to like you know yeah I don't, I but there are no consequences it's... to it and I'm not saying that there necessarily need to be in this type of game I don't think that's it probably would not it's, have been appropriate no. to try and be like, okay, well, you can, you know, you can drink this, but then you're going to have a, a have more difficult time vision. with things later on. Like I, that, right. I, yeah. I think that that would probably be expecting too much out of this game. Yeah, definitely. Where it breaks for me is definitely the part where it becomes a literal demon that you have to defeat. Like that's, it's just, I, <laughs> I've, mm. I've played, um, I've played too many other games that, um, that, you know that that don't do that yeah. <laughs> if it was just hey he's been an alcoholic and they didn't really delve into it then i mean yeah okay sure that's that's that is what it is you know and and even the the drinking the alcohol to steady your aim it, okay whatever it is what it is but that's that's where it really just kind of went over the edge mm. for me i think yeah it's it's like I, I understand the the thinking behind it i think they completely swing and miss uh, with yeah. the yeah. like how it actually comes across especially 15 years later yeah yeah i think that's a big part of it too i think we we've actually i think no one would be able to argue that we haven't come a long way in a lot of that representation of uh of addiction and mental health in the games and, and you know, it's only getting better as time goes by but yeah it was just one of the things that that did feel even in a story where lots of things feel out of place that one was the one particular thing yeah, i wanted to bring up to, to give it credit where credit's due I'd, I'd say the difference between my my feelings about this game now to what it was back then i remember playing condemned 2 and it was one of the, the few games back in 2008 certainly that i f walked away feeling quite dirty and that's a weird word to use but i remember hmm. my time with it thinking i don't like this world like, i don't like what it what this world does to me how it makes me feel like it makes me feel like you know something's just gross on me and it, Ethan right. is definitely not a sympathetic man. No, character. just like, but the, even the, the the environments, the, the yeah, uh, the way that and the symbolism, like all that stuff. I just I remember coming away from that game thinking, do you know what? I never want to play Condemned Two again. Like for as much as I like Condemned One, I really don't want to play Condemned Two again because it makes me feel uneasy about myself, which is really, right. really, really odd because playing it in <laughs> in twenty twenty three, I laughed a lot and like the entire right. It, it, yeah. it, Honestly, if if I had just gone into this as you know, I hadn't played the game, I'd be completely different tune. Here I am, and and I just like I wasn't scared by it. I didn't have that that reaction to it at all. And it was really odd to have that kind of like I was expecting to go back in here and going, God, this game really grossed me out first time round, and actually being completely the opposite, where I wasn't felt didn't feel tension, didn't feel. Any of that stuff, it's almost, and, and not even just, oh, it isn't this funny to play now. Just like all of that power that it seemed to have with me then seems to have dissipated over the years. And I don't know whether right. that's just culturally, you know, just the way that things are represented so much better now in games. Like other games have done a far better job of making me feel frightened within my own own skin and actually going back to condemn. But if, if I was to say... You know, pick a game that made you feel really uneasy. Condemned Two would have been at the top of my list back. You know, over the many years, I would have been, oh god. And actually, when I got picked for the show, I was a little bit like, 
Hmm. <laughs> I'm not sure whether I want to go back to this. <laughs> did Did we cover Condemned One? Uh, if we did, I wasn't on the show, but yeah. I, I feel yeah, like I feel we like did. we must have. It was quite recent as well. It was like it must have been not last year, but the year before. Yeah, a couple of years Got ago, sort of Halloweeny type game, I think. So fifteen yeah. months ago. Yeah, makes sense. Yeah. So it's just it's, was it was just... odd that you know I had I did have this recollection that actually. Condemned 2 was a, a game that made me feel really quite uneasy about myself and, and th- those types of games. And just to, to, to see what time has done over, over that period. So that's why I find it mm-hmm. odd to talk about it now, because it the power that apparently it had over me back then, and I assume other people and from the high reviews, is yeah. it, it's, it's almost like non-existent now. Like none of that stuff particularly made me feel icky at all it just if anything it just made me kind of laugh at how far we've we've come um hmm. just odd just yeah. more of I an guess, observation yeah. than anything that's really interesting you know with the two time perspectives mm. there because you know it's 15 years doesn't seem like a lot of time but if you think of all the things that have changed just in this industry alone i mean it's like it's kind of remarkable the the strides that have been made so um mm. it's I wonder if part of that too is is the visuals here, Tony. And I'm not just trying to come up with a smooth segue to move on from that um, <laughs> well made point. It's just that the visuals are very much of a time. Mm-hmm. And like so, for like the art design, I wrote down, and it does take wild kind of uh, um, tangents off of the path. But that first, let's say, half to two thirds of the game, it really is all kind of about the darkness. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? You're really in some, and the lighting, to be fair, in certain areas is very good i uh in i believe it's level two where you kind of drop down and find that first eviscerated corpse kind of tacked to the wall or um or is it on the ground i, I think he's remember, tacked to the floor yeah, tacked to the floor same, yeah. yeah um like the the lighting in those some of those early areas like it really does a good job at con- contrasting the areas you're supposed to go to versus maybe uh and drawing your attention to to points of interest um i also thought thought particularly like the even though the kind of mini game of tuning the antenna on the TVs <laughs> or the radios find that there were but those were like glowing points of interest right you know you saw a TV with a static screen over here you saw a radio over here and it it, it did do a good job um and then as you go further in the game as has been brought up by yourself um uh, John and Leah so far it does kind of move from that that you move to that those last few levels i mean even the the snow lodge is pretty well lit and you're kind of fighting just human enemies you know with a gun in this area the magician level it feels like a uh just a, just a complete detour from what the game mm-hmm. had been doing at that point to kind of that last section where you're going through the cargo ship and then onto the peninsula where it's kind of these open-aired well-lit areas it, it takes um takes some turns along the way do do you find the visual design of this game is stuck in 2008 in a way that it makes it unapproachable today or or do you think it's still something you can get through what is sticking in 2008 for me now is i think i understand how they light scenes a lot better so because we've all watched digital foundry videos and all that that kind of stuff you know i understand like placements of directional lighting and understanding why it doesn't necessarily bounce off certain things and yeah like today you know if even talking like a a more of original release or new re-release i guess of something like dead space the remake like it's very much, you know, you've got kind of the, you know, the more mist, kind of the obscurity of things with different effects, and that that works so much better than looking at it now, which is like very much a directional light. It's just light in this scene, but has no interaction with other pieces around the room. It feels very 
peace-like, piecemeal now. It's like, you know, here is mm-hmm. this, here is that. and But you have to remember it's 2008. Like, it is what it is. Right. And yeah. actually, it's so murky at times on the, on the original hardware that it's, um, mm-hmm. you know, it, it kind of plays into that, that atmospheric. I think what is different from Condemn 1 to Condemn 2 for me is when it starts going to more kind of these fantastical places, it is quite jarring like you know that that whole you know wizard magician scene is just quite jarring to play through um going off to the snow covered area felt although interesting certainly i remember it being very interesting at the time because it was like oh wow we were in a completely different environment it felt quite jarring that he's suddenly flown there (laughs) and it's daytime you start off outside in the daytime like it's it's a real shift from Um, the museum that you've just left yeah there are a number of things in this game that strike me as someone took the first condemned and then made a spreadsheet and said okay here's what we need in the sequel Mm -hmm. number one more different locations because there's a lot of different locations in this to be fair there's a lot of variety in in Mm -hmm. your set pieces maybe too much because it it i mean i I said something earlier about the the bowling alley connected to the school Mm -hmm. connected to the um whatever it is on the other side the magic i think it's the magic (laughs) like it it some of the transitions between these areas are a little abrupt and maybe don't make a whole lot of sense. So I, I mean, it. I'm not saying that it necessarily has to everything be justified, you know, completely. But it, it, it feels like there are a lot of, uh, really, really abrupt scene changes that, yeah. <laughs> that maybe came off of so the list. Like we need a creepy doll factory. Okay, now we need to go see a guy who's called the magician, or no, I'm sorry, the magic man. Because he's a literal magician and he hangs out in an abandoned magic theater. Yeah, that's a thing that most towns have. <laughs> Let's just go yeah, there. so where the first game it was like you know you ended up in the in the final area as like a, a kind of an abandoned orchard farm, and the way that you get there is somebody's footprint has this um, you know rare sand particle that can is still only in like this one valley, and right. you get in the car and you drive. Like to me, that absolutely makes sense. Like you just start to piece. Sure. stuff together and clues and you don't go particularly far it's just you know two hours down the road because you know if you were committing crimes that's more likely what's going to happen here it feels like you're being jet setted around but also kept in in one area and it's just it although there's lots of individual set pieces it feels very much like that someone's had a bunch of ideas bashed them together because you know they will make it kind of more creaky creepy um mm-hmm. But but it you know it just as a whole it just feels really tonally all over the place that one moment you feel yeah. like you're being kind of like good good cop even then you feel like you're being psychopath even but it it almost feels like they don't have it it doesn't it's not like a gradual curve of like oh he's learned his ways it's like no one moment he's psychopath next minute he's realized his ways then he's psychopath and realizes it yeah it's I I actually do quite like the original conceit of. I don't, I'm not sure if this is John. Remind is this from the first game where everybody in in the area is rioting because of the kind of um, the signal being sent out? Like I quite no, it's it's here, but it's not. It doesn't mm-hmm. play in that much. It's mostly on like the TVs and the radio. But I quite like that. In, yeah. I like that as a central kind of like you know there is something going on that's sending the, mm. the people around to be crazy. It's not just people rioting for rioting's sake. You know, it's is actually yeah. people being. 
brains being slightly um, signaled in to, to make them kind of you know, it, succumb to their kind of more kind of anger senses rather than yet. And I, yeah, that yeah. I really liked. like. I thought that worked relatively well from a story conceit of why are these people are going crazy and mad. You haven't just kind of walk, walked into a riot and there's ha- that's happening. It's just like, no, these things are happening around you. Yeah, it makes you you go back and assume that the enemies from the first game, rather than just being kind of aggressive um, mm. uh, uh, people who you sort of you know scared out of their bedrolls in the middle of the night and decided to come at you, they're actually there's like a proper um, proper storyline explanation. I think in the first game it was mostly like what was talked about was just that birds were dying everywhere and there were these all the, loads of the little hallucinations were the birds and stuff. And it's it's obviously progressed between the two games and with the um like where they end up explaining it in this game, I would be fascinated to know. Presumably at some point they had a, they were planning to make a sequel. I don't know if anybody ever mm, wrote yes. it or or yeah. knew what they were gonna do. But I mean at some point somewhere somebody definitely thought we're going to be doing a condemned three. I I'd love to know what would have actually happened to the storyline and like the, the tone of everything. Your vocal from here. cord yeah. shout would have been the central part. <laughs> oh, I guaranteed so, we're gonna so get to I, the Oro here in a little bit. Yeah. I I agree I completely agree that I think it's a cool idea to have like this this overarching thing that um, that is causing all of these problems, like Tony said. But also it's kind of funny to look at it now and think, well, obviously it couldn't be that all of the conditions in this in this city suck and the government's bad and everybody's living in slums and nobody's happy it's all mind manipulation because of throat weirdness voices capital mind e. manipulation because yeah. of throat weirdness 5g uh-huh. 5g by leah, by leah. Is 5G. 5g 5g yeah well, I was gonna say the birds are all dying because they're not real so everybody knows that um but um well, before we move uh, fully past the gameplay and stuff, I, the the one thing that we didn't talk about were there are a couple of I guess boss fights. What do you call them? Boss fights. There's definitely the 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 doll lady, the lady doll with her lollipop saw. Um, there's the kind of big metal mechanical bad guys you have to crane game in the in the cargo ship. And oh then, my course, god, I hated boss. that. Yeah, <laughs> um, it took me so long. Oh, I'm glad I didn't play those last couple of levels. <laughs> They're yeah, rough you again. At the right place. <laughs> but boss fights weren't like a. It wasn't like a regular thing. It would just be kind of be like combat encounters more. Yeah, than you had that. the guy yeah. in the museum as well. Who could take five thousand arrows to the face, but actually, yep. yeah, I thought I was doing something wrong yeah. there for a, for what, a long what, time yeah. because, like, I pumped a lot. Of I arrows pumped a that lot guy. of arrows. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and then finally one of the the pieces of armor plinked off, and I'm like, oh well, no, I guess this is it. I, you got to shoot yeah. him behind. That, that, that it just takes yep. one arrow, like his Achilles heel is one arrow to the back. <laughs> I guess I, I just must have been missing his back. <laughs> yeah, to be fair, like I'd prefer not to take did. one arrow to the back no. if I could avoid it. He could take, that might but also he could kill take me. like sixty arrows yeah. to the face. <laughs> That's fine. Yeah, but he had a, he had a helmet on. He had like a proper Templar's knight outfit. <laughs> yeah, on. No, I mean the boss fights fine. They they you know they serve the purpose. I mean, it's just once again, it just feels very much of the time. Like, were they required? Yeah. No. Um, yeah, boss fights are hard. They've always yeah. been hard. Like, you know, tough to get um, those things right. But um, it wasn't sure there's any standouts or or or, or opposites. Of I don't. I don't remember glitches back in my original playthrough of Zero Eight. But I did. I did come across a couple in in my playthrough in 2023. Um, 
I had one where, if you imagine a rock, uh, a, a rock legend jumping down onto its knees and surfing across the floor with its guitar in the air, like I had that with one of the the hobos. Yeah, <laughs> he just he was just slight. He just kept sliding around well, on his knees at me, hitting me from <laughs> from nowhere. Um, I kept hitting him and like literally couldn't kill him. It was just it, I so should it, because it's not the three six. I, I couldn't. I should have taken a video of my phone or so. I just couldn't like record that. That's funny. Um, but I saw in the kind of gif you sent that there somebody had one just like doing its flipping flipping out and around. Yeah, but I also had that big um guy in the museum basically hunt and chase me. And um, there's a bit where you have to basically get across a, a like a bridgey platform that collapses. And I got mm. there and I must have stopped and the, cla- the pl- uh, platform collapsed in front of me. And he come chasing up to me and then just stopped. <laughs> yeah. He didn't know what uh, to do. And I, I hit him so many times. And he just <laughs> like literally for 10 minutes. I just kept on hitting him and wow, this guy can really take some damage. Um, and he did nothing. So I eventually reset the thing and then worked out what to do. But yeah, I don't remember glitches in 2008, but yeah, they, I had a few this time. The only, they must have the been there, but like they haven't appeared that, I know, yeah, then. it's the original disc on original <laughs> hardware. So. Yeah, yeah. The only real glitches that I ran into were um, I, I a couple. This, this one actually happened a few times um, where I would I would take down an enemy and their weapon would just kind of be floating in the air where they fell. Um, like, they fell, but the weapon didn't fall. Uh, and I could still interact with it. I could pick it up if I wanted to, but the but the weapon just was kind of hanging there. Uh, that was really the only one that I ran into, though. I think everything else was pretty stable. Yeah, a couple of guys stuck in walls a couple times, but nothing <laughs> egregious for me. But um, So let's talk, before we get like real deep or deeper into the plot, we really just kind of have to handle the ending and how the game leaves us at the end. Um, we'll talk about the audio a little bit. Um, Tony and John, you mentioned before um, uh, some of the ambient noises that you would hear kind of the, uh, you know, that, that, that thing that horror games have been doing for a while that I always find very effective. Maybe I'm just a bit of a scaredy cat, but like knowing somebody is in the house or above you or below you and hearing them moving, but not seeing them yet. That's uh, this game has a lot of that. Um, you can hearing the shuffling of feet in the next room, things like that, and then kind of um, also you have basically like the uh, those those kind of sacks that hang from the ceiling. You can kind of hear them, you know, squealing around. They're they're involved in the last level as well. Anything stand out to anybody um, uh, regarding the sound or the music in this game? I mean, I always really like just what you've basically just described, and I think that. Uh, this and certainly Condemned 1, two games that do it very well, just the muffled noise of someone in the room next to you or someone above Mm. you and you can hear the footsteps, you can hear like, you can hear them taking weapons off the walls and then um, there's all sorts of the little diegetic noises like that and um, there's always shelves with buckets and all that sort of crap on them and you hear Mm. those things getting knocked over all the time, bottles getting uh, knocked around. I think it's like the actual engine that the the combat and stuff and that the AI enemies and stuff play into, it does seem to be like really really good at setting that that atmosphere just with um like how it, how it presents the like the hearing hearing the thing and then you kind of know that someone's coming closer and then often they're like they're coming from behind you but you can't really tell because it's kind of muffled and you feel, you get the feeling that there's like people sort of you know, on a floor above dropping down holes or something just appearing. And it, it works very well for the horror, I think. And it is something yeah. that I haven't heard that many games doing it 
in quite this respect. I mean, there's, there's a lot of talk about Dead Space because the remake has just come out at this point. Sure. And I think that's a game that does that to some extent. You hear a lot of the noises of things happening, like on the other side of a room or in another room. Um, and the um, I think the, the vacuum of space bits in that kind of have that same feeling because it's got that same mm. like muffled muffled noise in the in the suit and that's what like i feel like that is very much of the same sort of ilk as what they do here but yeah i think it's it's not like a completely revolutionary thing but it is kind of a cool little touch that i haven't seen done this well that often this this game sure does have a lot of different noises for the sound of a plank of wood hitting somebody's face (laughs) oh yeah um i thought i thought those were pretty good honestly the combat would be so frenetic and sometimes and sometimes you'd be getting hit from behind and the game does there's some issues with letting you know where the damage is coming from that's for sure um i had trouble with that but um but when you're when you're like in a fist fight with somebody right in your face i thought the sound of that was was pretty engaging as well like um i certainly knew when damage had been done to me just because of the the sound and kind of the way the combat would react but also the the way the noise would would kind of pop when you would get a good hit or finish a combo on somebody it gave you that feeling of like you really just did some actual damage i thought that was pretty good too meat is getting hit yes yes uh i did think that it was uh, i didn't engage with this mechanic too much um or i i tried to before i screwed it up and then just started killing the guards anyway but um i it, it they do tell you that like your noise matters too uh, mm. So, like, if you want to try and sneak, there's no, like, official sneak button, and as I noted before, you cannot crouch, but you can walk slowly and kind of muffle your own footsteps. And I did find it pretty funny that, that right after they introduced that mechanic, you know, there's, like, a, a pretty clear path that you're going to be going to sneak past the guards in this one section, but just in the middle of the path, you know, it's a it's a museum. Like, you know, it, it's it, there's no reason for this to be here, but there's just, like, a can right in the <laughs> middle of where it's there, and it's like, don't. <laughs> hit the can Ooh, that's gonna make noise <laughs> yeah okay i've played a video game before but thanks i guess <laughs> i don't really notice much in the music front either i was listening to the soundtrack the official soundtrack or the ost should i say on on youtube playlist earlier today and it just kind of was gets real clingy um, and industrial toward the end but other yeah than that, seven um <laughs> yes yep. <laughs> it's like yep yeah, there's that alt rock music that plays at the beginning, mm-hmm. and I, that's true. <laughs> yes, there I, is. I true. didn't get to the end, but there is. Like, I, I will be shocked if there's not like a, a song by Pod or some other crappy band playing over the end of it. A Kiriyama, uh, but bad. Oh yeah, yeah. These games All love right. doing that. <laughs> they, oh, absolutely. It's like when uh, what's at the end of that one Wolfenstein game that has that horrible cover of. We're not going to take it anymore. But, yeah, uh, that is terrible. Uh, yeah, Didn't Ice T do the end song to one of the Call of Duty games? Uh, <laughs> sure, that's, that's the sure. other one that I think of. <laughs> I uh, like when I think of interesting choices for uh, end titles. So we've talked about a lot of these already, but we're just going to kind of uh, tidy up what we haven't talked about regarding the story and the characters. Um, we talked about Ethan, the main character, obviously. Um, Rosa, who is kind of the voice in your ear, um, your partner kind of contact at the special crimes unit, as it were. Um, you have, uh, Dorland, who is the, I, 
he's he well he becomes the main antagonist of the game eventually but at the beginning he's just kind of uh yes did anyone actually think that he wasn't going to be a bad guy at the (laughs) beginning because like he shows up and i'm immediately like okay well i'm gonna be fighting him at some point i didn't really necessarily see that it was gonna be the main antagonist but he's that type of stereotypical cop uh from like like 80s cop movies like i don't trust this guy you know what i mean (laughs) like he's definitely got a lot of that energy to him um he hates you i mean he hates Mm -hmm. ethan um Kind of can't really tell the cause at first, but that kind of comes out later on. Um, Pierce LaRue, who is uh, Dorland's partner, who is definitely more sympathetic to your cause than Dorland is. Uh, the director of the Special Crimes Unit is Director Farrell. You have the return of Serial Killer X, um, which I think is one of the more striking visual designs in the game, actually. I, I, lo- I really yeah, because like Because you the way... shot him in the face at the end of the last game. So. Yeah, he looks really good, and he gets um, some lip rings by the end of the game. We'll talk about that in a minute, though, too. Um and uh, then uh, kind of uh, you had the Magic Man, another character, but that's really it for main characters. The, the the kind of overhanging force behind all of these things that are happening is this group called the Oro, um, which, and, and I'm going to kind of explain what they are, and then I'd like to hear uh, your all three of your interpretations of that to see if I'm right, wrong, or indifferent. Um, they're, the signal that was already aforementioned to, to control people um, is basically uh, what the Oro is doing is attempting to amplify that signal through their bodies using distorted vocal cords and a screaming type power mm-hmm. um, that you that is kind of ham-fistedly referred to early in the game where uh, Ethan gets a CT scan and Rosa comments on how his vocal cords were grayed out or removed or not visible in his scan. And they kind of treat that as like, oh, that's kind of weird. But then as you come down to it, Ethan is kind of the natural the natural conveyor of this vocal power that they refer to as the remedy and if they can control Ethan and get them on his their side they can then take over the world but if they don't get Ethan to fall in line or die he's the only one that can take them down question mark is that am I what how uh, what, how much heavy lifting am I doing there and how much how many plot uh, how many uh, things can you fill in I, anybody I didn't understand half of what you said but I think that <laughs> okay I think it still checks out and I would agree with okay. you wholeheartedly okay. all right <laughs> yeah I, I I the thing that I didn't that I didn't really understand and I'm not sure whether this was I, I think this may have just been they didn't explain it very well but it, it could be that it was there and I just didn't I didn't get it but um the thing that I didn't quite get is so they do mention that Ethan, like this is apparently they've known this about Ethan for as long as he's been alive because they they talk about how his parents were killed to protect him and how um I, I, um, um 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 Malcolm Van Horn, Van Horn um has been was until he was uh, messily eviscerated was kind of watching over him and you know he you have to work with uh with the serial killer X for or you're supposed to for a little while until he surprise he's still crazy so um yeah it's it's but they also so what i didn't get there's all of that like i i didn't really get how they knew this or whether this is something that can be like implanted in people or whether there's just a certain number of people who are born like this and and you know that because they I I felt like they did not explain the bit with the mayor very well because she is on this list 
and she's killed and they they do the autopsy on her that that reveals that she has these bits of metal implanted in her and they never actually go back to that but i'm assuming it's supposed to be related to so the bits know, the bits of metal so, yes. amplifies the signal yes so that's why they have it implanted. yeah so i mean i i what i'm not sure about is like are all of these people just born that way and then they choose to have this the, the the additional stuff implanted in them or is it just that you know you can create that in anyone like that that's i think where i started to fall apart on it like how how did this even become a thing i'm not expecting an answer by the way i'm just saying that that's that's something that confused me so this is going to sound like i'm 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 either being reductive or i'm no please i'm 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 picking on the game in a way but this is actually where the game became much more enjoyable for me and it's not because I think it's particularly good or well done, but because this is the part where like all of my disbelief was suspended and I was just allowed to kind of embrace the chaotic energy that the last half of this game was bringing me. Like, oh, like right. When, this is stupid. And then well, you can go on. Well, yeah. So like, so there was that part at the beginning of the cargo ship level where Leon or Leon, excuse me, where <laughs> Ethan, I'm thinking Leon Kennedy, I'm thinking Leon Kennedy, um, where Ethan um, shouts a flock of birds to death freaks rose out and then freaks rose out and at that point i I laughed out loud when it happened and then i was like this is like this is going off the rails in a in and not an entirely uninteresting way but certainly a confusing way i think Um, that's where i sent the uh the the other message to you and rich that was like okay well i guess i have these screaming powers now but i can't use them except to scream birds to death in cutscenes, and then like uh, uh, maybe a chapter after that you actually do get the ability to use the scream in combat mm-hmm. um so yeah there's some parts of the end where you're literally screaming people's heads off like yeah. literally mm-hmm. screaming at them and their heads explode yeah which that's, i am i'm behind that uh, as a mechanic I like i, I am in favor um but yeah it just it was one of those things where like it the to, let's comparing it directly with its predecessor this is where the game fully separated from being connected to Condemned One in any way in my in my brain. Did so, anybody else have that feeling? Not entirely. Yeah, true. no, there is a genesis, um, isn't there? It is Condemned One it? was okay. had these elements in it. The Condemned Two fully <laughs> fully well, embraced barely. Them. So yeah. as as probably I, I'm assuming the one who has played Condemned One the most recently, um, there is a point towards the end of Condemned One where uh ethan i I think he gets into his file or Mm -hmm. something uh towards the end and there is the the chest x-ray in there with his vocal cords blacked out but they don't explain what any of it means you just have this this like x-ray and oh spooky they have this file on you and all that's in here is this thing and I, i as far as i recall they do not speak of that again and there's no real explanation made of it um except to maybe intimate that it's connected to the van horns in some way but um but yeah that's that's it it is it is barely connected like somebody thought hey maybe we'll use this at some future point and (laughs) and snuck that in there um but they they don't build on it okay so what what are the oro the secret society um what do we think they're trying to achieve so dorlin seems to be kind of the chief or at least maybe the person that you are most intimately connected with who has the most information in this, because the epilogue will go on to let you know that the president of the United States is somehow involved. Um, but their their primary motivation is to use that signal we've been talking about to control the populace. Is that right? Isn't it always? That sounds about right. Yeah, yeah yes. isn't it always? And yes. Killing the president and presumably later enforcing 
their own president? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I guess. Mm. Oh, I mean, okay. they left it on a cliffhanger. I, I kind of lost the thread at the end. Um, yeah. They really um, should have so made Pish- that third game. And presumably yeah. they want Ethan alive to harness his powers. Otherwise, why wouldn't they just yeah. at any point shoot him? <laughs> it's just like, you know, so... Yeah, I think I think the idea is that he he obviously has it as the most natural formed element of it, and they wish to actually utilize that rather than just to snuff him out. Right. But it, it is, yeah, it's not great. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and then so like the the last level has these kind of masked figures with it. I really like their design. That mask was like the big open hole, like right in the middle of it. I think it's it's a pretty cool design. They can shout. As Leah mentioned, vocal mm-hmm. waves at you, which kind of lead you to be a little disoriented. And then you end up tracking down Dorlin, fighting him, uh, th- kicking him off of the ladder of a helicopter that's flying away and having a uh, a line that I cannot repeat on this podcast that is very much from the end of an 80s action movie. <laughs> and then um, we cut to the epilogues where, as Leah already mentioned, there are two of them. One involves the president of the United States being told that the remedy is free and having what appears to be a heart attack at at the podium um, of giving a speech. Um, and then uh, after that, there's a little snippet of serial killer X, who has seemingly been taken in by the Oro and has had his body modified to presumably amplify these voice powers as well. Um, and then it just, that that's it. Like, that's the end of the game. So it ends with finding out the president is involved in this whole system and Serial Killer X has now been kind of powered up, for lack of a better term, to be what you would assume would be the antagonist of, of the next entry. And then no Condemned 3. Alas. So, alas. Yeah. Is there any other bits of the story that uh, that you either think I missed or, or overshadowed or anything of particular note that, that you would like to draw attention to before we move on? Uh, yes. What is the Dolls Lady's uh, involvement in all of this? <laughs> um, well, you see, she had a lollipop saw. Yes, which is cool. That bit I got. Through exploding dolls at her. I know. Like six years before that game mm-hmm. came out. <laughs> not and this is again I'm not trying to be reductive at all or take anything away from this game because I did enjoy a, a large part of what I played but that that did feel to me very much to be like a uh, like a section they wanted a Bioshock villain there they that's what it felt like to me um, yeah anybody yeah, feel no, that I, way that, yeah I, I agree with that <laughs> okay um, so yeah so the legacy of Condemned 2 it, it's not on modern platforms in uh, as as John said before it is still digitally purchasable on an Xbox 360. Um, No, no, no. It's it's only available on disc. You can't buy a digital version. Oh, it's not. Okay, sorry. No, the first one is is available digitally for some reason, but this one, no. And the first one's backwards compatible, too, as Liam mentioned before. Um, And this is not. So it's it's stuck to disc on the PS3 and Xbox 360 unless you're willing to jump through the emulation hoop. So um, what... What do you make of that? So, so Leah, you you worked pretty hard to get this thing working for you. Um, what? Yeah. Do you, do you <laughs> believe that? And again, we we read that tweet from Monolith earlier. Do you believe that this is now just a, officially one of those games that? Because it feels like now in the era that we're in, that with the digital sale of games, like the game preservation type issues are are starting to. I mean, they're different issues for sure, but 
but the ability the idea that a game will never be able to be purchased or played on modern platforms is like that it feels like that cone is narrowing right like to where it seems like everything's available i can just click the button download the thing and play it uh what yeah, what do you think it's weird right yeah. like it, it's there are not many games that you can say this of and i it, i i wish that it had been a game that i had liked more in order to uh justify the time that i spent getting it functional for myself uh but i mean it is unfortunate that these things are not always gonna be around you know mm -hmm. like there are only a finite number of xbox 360 consoles and if all of them stop working then there's not going to be a way to play my 360 copy of condemned 2 right um i'm glad that my ps3 worked and i that that poor thing i just i feel bad that i took it out of hibernation for that um but <laughs> well to, to give you a stack um, so I, this is an interesting conversation but you know there i've just looked so there are 632 games that have been made backwards compatible out of a possible 1126 released on wow. just the xbox 360 so you know that tells you it's not as rare as we might think it's just an inconvenience when it sure. happens it's just and i think because it's right. a, a sequel to a a franchise you know out of those many of those titles like people know what condemned is you know people are aware i think because condemned one was essentially almost a launch title like you saw condemned everywhere for a period of time yeah i think it's just one of those, yeah, that was one of those surprising games ones you, you know that you saw news shops hmm. all the time just because it was like you know, a lot of people who early adopters of the Xbox 360 got that and then was traded in much after. You, you'd still probably find stacks at local game shops of the original Condemned uh, for sale. Yeah. In this um, case, it's not even that, you know, it's not even completely that it's not backwards compatible on. It's just that it's not it's not anywhere like it, mm -hmm. it's it's not digital. There is no PC copy. So it it starts to look like maybe emulation is not such a bad thing after all. Hey, my mm. mister, I think, gets here tomorrow, so that's cool. <laughs> hey, is there anyway. a 360 call for the mister yet? I don't think so. <laughs> One day. That's a little too advanced One so far, day. but, you know. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, this is, it's weird because this is a situation where this game never actually had the chance. Um, but at the same time, it was earlier on in this week that there was a huge announcement that uh, Microsoft were going to be delisting something like 50 old Xbox 360 games mm -hmm. and a lot of their associated DLC all from the marketplaces. And in a lot of cases, right. those games are backwards compatible. You will still be able to buy them on the later consoles. They still have disc versions of them. But there are a number of games in that that are going to be essentially just removed and will not have an easy way of getting hold of them anymore. And a lot of DLC packs right. that will just vanish from existence basically or God. you know at least purchase availability for anybody again ever so mm -hmm. like it's yeah well, it, I'd, I'd say it's even it's... worse now john because at least that i do have a working 360 i have a working copy of condemned 2 fine i can play yeah. it mm -hmm. if you look at like a modern time what's happening now with the kind of um uh, uh, service type games just to, mm. just this week crossfire x has announced that it's being taken yep. offline once that's gone, yep. that's gone. Yep. Like um, that dodgeball game, it's gone. There's, nobody's playing yeah, it anywhere. Knockout City, <laughs> yeah, Knockout City. That's yeah. it. I had, I had, um, I had uh, the the whole first season pass of Rumbleverse. I unlocked all of those items oh, and, yeah. paid and for it's the gone. Yeah, season that's pass, it. and that will, and that's it's all gonna. I'm gonna play it a lot in the next month. But guys, I own a physical know. copy. It's shrink wrapped of Babylon's <laughs> Fall, and mm -hmm. oh, I yeah. just 
that was a bad decision on my part, <laughs> granted, but still. But, uh, but you at, at least want to borrow my copy of Chrome Hounds and play the tutorial, which is the only thing that still works. In there. <laughs> yeah, it's, preservation is a, but, is a big thing. I, yeah, and I, and it's, I, it's very sad. I would argue. Yeah. More to the point, though, is there a, is there a clamber for a sequel to the sequel? You know, I have condemned. Right. And honestly, I think playing it now. I'm not sure that then this like what can you do with condemned like yes you could do you know a game with a modern version of this game with a close combat I think would work really well but I'm not sure the story yeah. like they would have to change it up significantly I think for it to really land with a modern audience mm. um yeah. yeah it's very the, much the both alternative. both the t- the first and second game are very much the level design of that era so you'd have to I think work a, a lot to, to decide what are condemned in and, and does it really have the the lust for people coming back to a condemned game i'm not sure actually it does right it, it sounds like night dive might have had the opportunity to re-release it and have basically i mean it hasn't been announced that they are either way but it sounds like they may have just quietly turned it down and said no which is a shame in a right. world where they have also recently put out Shadow Man and like Forsaken <laughs> mm-hmm. games that yeah. were much older than this that I had no idea anybody would actually be interested in playing again. But they've they've re-released right. them. So if if that if Shadow Man, why not Condemn too? But it seems to have gone quiet. So like I say, I can only assume that they've just sort of decided actually it's not worth not worth the effort of doing it. I mean, maybe yeah. they will, and maybe maybe there is a clamoring for for this game to come back, but. I mean, with some of these things that have never been made easier to play later on, definitely a part of it must be based on the lack of interest because they would they would definitely be doing it. There's all the resources available, the studios available to do it. If there were a million people out there screaming for a, a Condemned 3 or for this to be re-released, you would imagine that they would have done it by now. It would have been funny if they'd done yeah. that survey just this, like this week and they found four people on <laughs> playing it. Like, dude, like, people are really it's into like, There's a multiplayer game going. Yeah. <laughs> there's, yeah, there's, <laughs> there's two people looking for multiplayer games constantly and trying to find it. So guys, um, hashtag condemned three. We need to uh, start, yeah. <laughs> start just tagging everything. <laughs> Well, speaking of uh, the multiplayer, I know this will be a conversation for uh, Tony and John as um, as Lee and I played it more recently. Uh, Tony, you already mentioned that you had played the multiplayer for the achievements. Uh, do, do you have any fond memories, any memories of all, really, of going through it, or was it strictly just uh, for the I gamer score? I might be wrong and, here, and but they, I think they had a, ro- a mode, and I this it sounds really bad now, but it, I think it was called Bum Rush Mode. <laughs> Which there is I'm something ninety yep, percent no more. Yep. Um, yep. Which was literally uh, hobos <laughs> coming at you, and as a group, you had to defend. That um, which I remember being quite. It just sounds so ridiculous now. I'm so sorry, but um, the, <laughs> the sensitivity quotient is maybe a little yeah, low. Um, actually, well, yeah, I can can confirm there is a achievement. Yep. Uh, according to TrueAchievements.com, called Bum King. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Which is I um, I, I would have earned the bum no king, guns, no problem. <laughs> yep, yep. Uh, you it must be done in a rank match of the bum rush Excellent. mode. There you go. Um, but that, so yeah. actually, if you if you're talking from a pure gameplay, you know, it it had the same melee combat. So and actually that against mm-hmm. human beings, which are way more unpredictable and less kind of like you are now going to do this combo, like it right. And they would throw you'd have bricks being thrown at you from a, a distance. Um. And actually, 
yeah, it was it was quite a visceral experience. I remember playing in multiplayer for as short as that kind of time was because it it was populated, you know, around the time and probably actually just full of a load of achievements and just trying to get the the things. But yeah, I remember John, right. you were playing it as well, weren't you? Oh yeah, yeah, I played I played this quite a lot. I think I played this legitimately a reasonable amount. Mm. I played um, this with Carl. There are actually... Yeah, I remember playing this a hell of a lot with Carl. So. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah, there are, there are some interesting modes and stuff in this. It's it's kind of funny because I was watching something earlier that suggested that whether it's true or not that the developers went on record and said, you know, obviously as was the style at the time in 2008 we were forced to stick in a multiplayer mode mm-hmm. that didn't really you know, didn't really fit in with the rest of the tone of the game or anything and felt unnecessary, mm. but we were told we had to do it. Um and they they kind of wish that they hadn't. But actually compared to some of the other games that I've played with these very sort of lackluster tacked on multiplayer sections there were some good bits in this I remember a mode where um, you were playing like sort of cops and bad guys and the bad guys were kind of trying to trying to hide these little crates of evidence around the areas that they were in and there was like wing con- different wing conditions for each of them uh, for each side so that kind of I don't know if that's like asynchronous multiplayer where you've mm-hmm. got like different goals and you're not um you're not ne- not necessarily playing like the same the same squad of people. It's not like one to one to one. Wasn't it back in the day? It did that. Yeah, the mm. Mercs and yeah, yep, yeah. It, it's like very similar to that. And I remember having quite a lot of fun because they had quite large sections of some of the levels that had um, you know some really good sort of hiding spots for uh, for trying to um, trying to hide the evidence that you were carrying and like ambushing the the other teams and stuff. So it was. Hmm. Honestly, it was better than it probably should have been. Mm-hmm. And also, like you've played through the single player campaigns recently, the enemy AI is um, not particularly intelligent. You very often see them sort of stick their head out from behind a pillar and then start to right. run at you. And then it's almost like the guy realized that you've got a bigger weapon than he has. He's like, actually, you know what? And just turns around and runs back into the room behind and hides behind another pillar. But when when you're doing that with this same combat and the same same like way that the game controls but the the um the enemies are actual real people behaving like real people would do instead of the really slightly weird ai decisions i think it works very well as yeah like a just a sort of a smash them with toilet seats them up and there were some great modes like that there was i remember a map in the doll factory and there were just toilet seats littered everywhere and you just picked up toilet (laughs) seats it was you could you could do like (laughs) a one hit kill thing like a slappers only in Goldeneye, where you were just lobbing toilet seats across <laughs> the room at each other. That, that doesn't sound like a bad no. time. No, that doesn't sound like a bad time at all. <laughs> no, it's certainly fun for half an hour. <laughs> That's awesome. So yeah, I mean, it's it, it's hard to uh, hard to recommend this sort of thing, but as far as I'm concerned, in that ecosystem where so many of these games were just forced to put in something for multiplayer. I think sure. this, this was slightly better than a lot of the others that I've seen. Nice. Well, just a couple pieces of correspondence this time. Uh, if you want to uh, contribute to any of our shows that are upcoming for potential inclusion, you head on over to com and go to the forums. Um, Tolkien Taters, as we've talked about at length, says, I would have played this if it was available on modern consoles since I like its predecessor, but doesn't seem like it'd be worth buying an Xbox 360 or a PlayStation 3 for. Uh, Caligula's Horse said... I had a blast with this game at the time, but my memory of it is now patchy. I think it was fairly short and easy to get through, and not one I thought too much about after too much about or felt the desire to return to since. 
My feeling was that the combat was more enjoyable than the first, but it being easier to batter the baddies took away from my horror element a tad, because I didn't feel vulnerable anymore. And Steve Aaron from the forum also states, I only ever experienced the first Condemned via ad hoc episodes on my best friend's PC. My own computer struggling to run anything above a medium spec at the time, and having cemented my loyalty to the PlayStation console. I can remember absolutely loving it, while also being scared out of my mind. Consequently, when the sequel became available for my PS3, it was almost a day one purchase. Having not played the game since I, since then, I relied thoroughly on plumbing the depths of nostalgia when starting this correspondence. I can remember the awesomely crunchy combat, the feel of the real weight and heft when a wooden board shattered across an impotent's back. I remember the sound of anxiety-inducing footsteps through my headphones as unseen enemies scurried out of sight. I can remember the grimy tenement buildings and the gory forensic investigations, and hang on, on reflection, all these are memories of condemned criminal origins. <laughs> Upon watching several YouTube vids in order to refresh my memory, I realized that Condemned 2 was not the game I remember at all. The locations seem fantastical for the most part. The enemy design is sometimes ridiculous, exploding babies, the doll women, plate armor clad maniacs, and the redesign of Ethan is so edgy it's almost <laughs> laughable. I must have enjoyed the gameplay, as I can recall playing through it a couple times, but upon thorough reflection of the only solid fond memory I have of this game is the bear scene, what I would dub the game's only true surprise. Condemned 2 Bloodshot is not without its positive aspects. The combat and sound design are still great, but for me, this is the classic example of looking back with rose-tinted spectacles and has engendered a wariness of revisiting old favorites from when I was an uncritical teenager as edgy as Ethan Thomas. Damn. Thank you for our contributions. <laughs> he, he did touch an area we haven't actually got to, is the redesign some of the characters, which was... Oh, yeah, oh, we were yeah, going to yeah. talk about uh, particularly Ethan and Rosa. Uh, for sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, I believe the com- the comment made by both Leah and you, Tony, was that oh, Rosa John, yeah. in the 11 yeah. months... Or, oh, John, yeah. excuse me, yeah. Between Rosa, between the first game and the second game, there was 11 months that took place, but she appeared to de-age by about 20 years. <laughs> yep. Uh-huh. yep. The, the yeah. comment that I made to Brian earlier today was that, to me, this and, and this is very similar to what I said about how um, all of the design, or all of the level designs seem like they came out of a spreadsheet... Somebody looked at Rosa, a perfectly competent, probably the most competent person in the original Condemned One, who was, you know, the only female character and, you know, was was totally fine. Like, she she was totally fine as she was and went, make her hotter, <laughs> give her bigger <laughs> boobs, <laughs> make her 20 years younger. Like, mm-hmm. you look at side-by-side shots of Rosa, and I mean, they're they're both fine i say both because they seem like two different characters but i mean they're both fine it's not even that they went oh she needs to be super sexy and then did that like she's not a sexualized character particularly in either but more so in two like this is exactly the kind of game that would do that that would go you know what she's not young and hot enough for our audience so let's do something about that yeah. can we see her in a team of that the wire me. model please yeah, <laughs> and even has a um, real yeah, neck Ethan, beard, like real neck beard going on. I this is this is, again going to sound like I'm insulting gray. the game for no reason, but I would not be surprised if they use the Ethan character model for some of the orc models in the Shadow of War games that came out afterwards. <laughs> oh, His face is orcish, like it's it does have yeah. kind of a weird face in this one. Yeah, yeah. Dorlan as odd. well. Jesus, Dorlan looks oh, like yeah, he's, um, yeah, for sure. He he's absolutely like a, a shaved gorilla looking dude, <laughs> like crossed with Marcus Phoenix. Like that that <laughs> early 360 era has a lot Again, to answer yeah. for. Yeah. Big muscly dudes with very little personality. 
<laughs> well, as always, we headed onto our Twitter account at Kane and Rinse and solicited you, the audience, for three word reviews of Condemned Two. Uh, I'm going to say that's tape here. Says surprising Sega release. Uh, Mate Martin says confused underrated sequel. Oscar Reba, Bear outside locker. Macedon says not as good. Uh, Andy the Asp says aye aye mate. Um, there's got to be some sort of a pun there, right? <laughs> I would think so. <laughs> I'm not sure what he's getting at, but it's got to be there something. An eye thing. Well, he's on the front cover, yeah, isn't the, it? The, the, cover the front the cover is an eye. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Okay, yeah, there we go. That. <laughs> and finishing up, a backle rep flyer man says, super-powered hobo cop. All right, well, I think we're going to summarize here. We've talked for a couple hours about this game. Um, why don't we start with you, Leah? <sighs> that was a good summary. Yep. <laughs> yep. <laughs> All right, well done. Moving on. So, I... I, I didn't hate Condemned 2. I thought I did. There were a couple of times in there where I was like, I hate this. Why am I still playing this? But um but yeah, overall I don't I didn't hate it. I I do feel like the amount of effort required to get Condemned 2 running right now is maybe not worth it unless you just happen to have a copy and have a console that will run it i.e. a PS3 or 360, respectively. Um, I don't know why I said respectively. That doesn't make sense. But uh, <laughs> if you have if you have those things, great. Uh, if you don't, it's not worth going out of your way for, in my opinion. I really did like Condemned 1. So if you're looking for something like that, that is, if you have access to an Xbox, anything uh, uh, 360 or above, you will be able to play it on those. And it's it's much more accessible and a better game, in my opinion, again. So I, th this, this game is just, it has too much going on and none of it is very enjoyable. It, it's just too confused and trying really hard to make you think it's cool. But it's like, you know, me, me in high school, like wearing a, a chain necklace and, and you know, it, I, I feel like if Ethan's not wearing a bullet on a necklace, he should be because that's about where this game is. So take that as you will, uh, I guess. Um, th this game, I what I said before about it just being too edgy for its own good, I stand by that. That's it. It, it concentrated too much on that particular tone and not enough on having gameplay that was coherent enough to support all of the ideas that it had. So I I hate I hate to be so negative on a game that I don't think is bad necessarily, but I am not comfortable recommending this really to anyone. Not even if you maybe especially if you didn't if you did like Condemned One. It's just it's not it's not the same. It doesn't feel right coming after that game and i don't think it's very good sorry <laughs> no apologies necessary. i hate Thank being you. so negative about this kind of stuff at least when i was negative about duke nukem forever it was funny <laughs> <laughs> well thank you very much leah and thanks for getting it running and playing it for the show um I, I share a lot of your sentiments leah i'm i'm really glad i played it uh if i'm being honest to start with a positive i it was one of those kind of sequels i had never played to a game that i enjoyed and and going back to 360 style titles these days, it's it's interesting because it's not 
it's technically considered to be retro gaming, right? It's two console it's generations is, away, yeah. but it's it's not retro enough to be to feel like you're. It's not like you're going back to a pixelated eight or sixteen bit game. It, it's it, it's certainly a product of its time and a product of of that generation. And I'm really gl- glad that I saw it through. I um well I do say that while sharing most of the same sentiments that Leah does. I I don't think it's a particularly fun experience. I think it can be a very frustrating experience. Um. I think it it doesn't tie together in a way that's satisfying. But the to to finish on a positive another positive note is that this the story's memorable. I don't think that's, it's that's true. <laughs> I, I don't think it's it, it it does what it's aiming to do. But I but I but there I will remember plot details from this game for a very long time. When there are, I've played dozens of games and I will continue to play dozens of games whose stories will wash over me and fall away and. And I won't be able to remember any of it. And I will remember specific moments of this game. Some of them will be good, like the bear moment and um, or particular combat encounters I have. And other other moments will be not so good. Or maybe in my in my opinion, great, like screaming somebody's head off in that final level for the first time and and gleefully laughing as it happened. But um, really glad to have played it. And but I think that even if it wasn't so difficult to find, I'd find it tough to recommend to anybody who was coming to it completely fresh or cold. Tony, what are your thoughts? Um, I would I would say I I'm glad I've played it again because my my in my head this was a game that was you know quite dirty, great, quite really effective for, for portraying you know a, a, an environment that was not a fun environment to be in, and I you know I feel free now that I can actually say that, that actually that's not how I feel about the game now. Um, and I but I think that to, that in itself tells the story of really what condemned two is to me, which is it feels very much of, of its time and place. Um, you know, I, I'm surprised how well the combat still holds up. I think actually, if anything, it's, it's as good now as it, as it was back then. It's, it is really solid and visceral, but, um, I think a lot of the other aspects is I, I never really liked the story after playing one, but even back in 2008, and I still think it even makes less sense now. <laughs> um, and yeah, that unlike you, there, there's a lot here that coming back into it, I was like, oh yeah, I remember now this wasn't great and it still isn't great. Um, it hasn't actually aged particularly well. And I think actually that sums up my, my entire experience with Condemned 2, which is it's a game that just hasn't stood the test of time. I think what a lot of it made it interesting back in 2008 actually there's far better examples of the genre now that will do far more to kind of freak you out. And actually, I think the first game is a, a better example of what Condemned is to me, which is, you know, more of a kind of that kind of police procedural drama. Uh, and it and it did better with fewer elements as it with this. It, it tried to cram so much more in. And then clearly the development time was only a couple of years and I just don't think that it's particularly coherent piece. By the end of it, you're like, huh. And the back half of the game feels like it ends up becoming this this kind of just combat gun shooter of fun and almost abandons so many of the original ideas that I think makes Condemned good in the first place. So for me, I'm I'm glad I went back and played it because, you know, it gives me an updated opinion on, on how how much games have improved with their horror. And um and this isn't one of those tentpole releases in my head now where I was like, oh, they they really nailed it. Um so yeah, I just I like everyone else, I'm not sure I could recommend anybody if you haven't played it, particularly seeking it out and spending your time with it with it because there's so many 
other examples of the genre that have done it so much better since as somebody that if you've played the original command i suppose you know you could see how the story can progress but equally i'd maybe just watch a quick play video of it and not necessarily have some of the frustrations which the the game inherently has um from a modern perspective so yeah somewhat of a, a swing and a miss from me but um you know, enjoyed enjoyed our two hours of talking about it, even if it necessarily hasn't held mm. up over those years. Absolutely. Thank you, Tony. And let's uh, finish up with you, John. Well, unfortunately, I don't think I'm going to be massively more positive than any of the rest of you, <laughs> and I think you've probably covered the, the majority of the points that I was going to make about this. Um, I think the 15 years ago uh, release of this probably hit me at a time when I was much more interested in in a game that was of this kind of ilk and there's i think an argument to be made that there's a lot here that feels like it's very um like very heavily inspired by some of the the mega popular horror movies and stuff at the time i mean this is this is like right in the middle of saw mania and hostel and some of those like gritty um sort of complete torture porn movies so i can kind of see where some of the things of like let's just put the creepy dolls and stuff in here because that seems like the sort of thing that people are going nuts for at the cinema recently like the puppets in um saw and that sort of thing was obviously like an aesthetic that uh that I, you can kind of feel it bleeding into this um but i i think that that is also very much sort of of a time and a place and 15 years later we have moved on a lot and the horror genre in both films and video games has changed quite significantly to what is popular and what would be considered to be more like cult uh, culturally like scary now or um even even kind of just mindsets have changed to the point where i think there's there's a lot more psychological horror now mm-hmm. instead of like the hey look at these messed up little guys which is mm, yeah. very much where this seems to come from and like uh fairly problematic kind of just pitching you against essentially just like homeless people and uh and making out that that is kind of you know something to be scared of in of itself which Mm -hmm. is probably an attitude that would definitely be frowned upon more now than it was 15 years ago um but the the actual gameplay i think i enjoyed it a lot more when it was contemporary and it does show its um it does show its age now Uh, i think it's still can be a lot of fun to play but there is also a lot of frustration that i don't remember at all whether or not i've just forgotten about it or whether it you know i didn't get frustrated by those things that long ago or you know maybe my time now is more valuable to me and it's it's a bit of everything that's that's kind of getting mixed up in it but it's it's all of that kind of makes for quite a difficult recommendation for 2023 and the icing on the cake it really is how how much difficulty you might have getting it to run i mean i think it's it's absolutely wild that you could be sort of coming to games now as a a younger person or someone who'd never played very many games and on your current generation like console you can buy this uh this game directly off the marketplace and play it and okay it's a nearly 20 year old game but you know condemned one is there and available and you sort of see that and play it and then the idea that there was a sequel released a couple of years later that is completely inaccessible for mm. you now is is really really bizarre it's it's a situation that i feel like we don't see that often with 
with these things with the the level of backwards compatibility that um that microsoft have put into things and and digital releases it's just very very strange just like the, never just like nintendo you just have to keep buying it over through. and over again on different platforms <laughs> but you, you can't you can't even do that though that's the, that's the problem <laughs> so i mean i i'm very intrigued to see whether there is actually a re a proper re-release or some sort of upgrade update of this in the future i mean i think honestly as much as i remember enjoying this fondly 15 years ago if they never had another release of it i reckon i've probably played played it for the last time i mean to the point where i didn't even get all the way through the game on the most recent playthrough so if if they put it back out with enhanced graphics or anything i'd be kind of intrigued by it but it's it's kind of lost its sheen enough that i'm happy to put it to bed now hmm. well thank you very much john for that and i just like to thank tony john and leah again as well as our editor jay all of our correspondents and you for listening to the show and next week we're gonna leave the darkness behind and whisk ourselves away to a faraway island where we're going to build a town, donate to a museum, and do our best to entice that K.K. Slider to come perform a concert. It's Animal Crossing New Horizons. <laughs>